0: Okay, we come to uh, the heart of why we're here, which is to hear the Lord's Word. And we're continuing our study in Colossians, and it will be coming in a moment. I hope so, anyway. Otherwise, it could have got very exciting, couldn't it? Thank you. Okay, we're just about to read um, from uh, Colossians. Uh, We're reading from chapter 1, verses 24 to chapter 2, verse 5. Now, before we, and this is on page 1182 for the, those with the Bible in the chairs. Before we do, let's have a quick review as to how we've come this far. First of all, let's not forget that Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, primarily about a heresy that he feels is infiltrating uh, their teaching, and he warns them to be on their guard, and Paul uses his connections to do so. Over the weeks, we've learned that he reminds them that redemption only comes through the Lord and that they are to focus all their attention on that aspect. And last week, we saw Paul reminding them of the total authority of Jesus over all creation and that he is the head of the church. Okay, so now we come to this section of the reading, which is entitled... Paul's labour for the church. So let's read the Lord's word now. And it says this. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And we pray for Nick as he comes to help share its deeper meaning this morning. Amen.
1: Thank you. There are some sermon notes around about the place if you want them. If you want to just grab one while I set this going. Thanks, Kevin, for that helpful little introduction, and i um, quite like to ask everybody who reads in the church to do that for us, if you wouldn't mind. Um, that would be really helpful, because sometimes we lose track of where we are, aren't we? We're in the middle of this, uh, or just starting in this book of Colossians, so it's a letter um, that uh, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, as written to this church in Colossae. And we do this rather strange thing, which is we are really overhearing his his conversation with the Colossian Christians and then looking to see uh, how much are we in the same situation as them and therefore how much of this do we need to take, um, take note of along the way. So we've read through Paul's greeting um, to the church in Colossae. And that's a bit like an overture, because you know an overture to an opera or an operetta. It has all the themes of what's coming in in small form, but not in developed form. And that's really what's happening here in Paul's greeting. It has all the themes um, of what's about to come um, in in short form. Um, And so he uses his greeting. It's a standard greeting of of that period um, to give them an idea of what's about to come. But before he gets into these big themes he stops I um, say so it's a little bit of a sort of transition this before he gets into kind of the meat of these big issues that he wants uh, to deal with them he, he stops to tell them about his ministry and to defend his own ministry with them and he kind of agrees I say agrees we'll find out later on with the false teachers that there is something lacking in his ministry there is something lacking in his ministry but it's not what they think it is and actually this lovely little passage actually gives us a really clear and cogent and and quite simple and short uh, picture of of what gospel ministry is what Christian ministry Christian teaching is and what it should be about and we'll look uh, at three aspects of gospel ministry we'll look at What's the content of gospel ministry? What's the plan for gospel ministry? What's the pain of uh, gospel ministry are the three things we're looking at. Probably uh, focus more on the middle one. So let's get stuck in. Did you notice in this passage that Paul uses the word mystery um, to talk about the uh, the content of his ministry? Whereas perhaps in uh, in other letters he might have used the word gospel and so particularly here in Colossians, and I've just my Bible readings have just hit um, Ephesians. And the same is true in, in Ephesians. Particularly in these two letters, Paul uses the word mystery. Uh, he says, where do we start? He says, I become its servant, the church's servant, by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in all its fullness, the mystery. And it's interesting, I, I mean, I kind of it's interesting because these two letters, quite possibly Ephesians and Colossians, they're, they, they're being sent out uh, by the same messenger, I think. And so Paul perhaps writes them in, in quite short succession, and maybe what's in his mind to one sort of flows over in his mind to the others. But he uses this word mystery, I think, because the Colossians uh, are tempted by this idea that somebody is going to offer them some secret knowledge. Somebody has come along and says, you you Colossians, you've got this far now, that's really good, I'm glad you've you've heard this Gospel of Paul's, but now we're going to fill up what is lacking, now we're going to give you some extra, we're going to initiate you into the real uh, mysteries uh, of of the Christian faith. And that's always tempting. Somebody comes along and says, I'm going to initiate you into some secret knowledge, I think it's a temptation for all of us. We want to be insiders. You want to be in the know. There's always a temptation. If somebody says, I, oh, come on, we can be amongst the spiritual elite. Uh, we're, not the, we're not the drones, but we're, we're, we're up there with those in the know. It's always tempting. And I think that's partly why Paul uses this word mystery. To make the point that there is no mystery. Um, in the gospel there is no extra knowledge to be found the only sense that there is a mystery is that the gospel was hidden in the generations before Christ it was a mystery so Paul says uh, to the Ephesians He says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, um, and sharers together uh, in the promise of Christ. So that's that's the mystery, um, that Jews and and Gentiles are are both saved uh, through Jesus. And it says, um, Paul says, and it was hidden. I think I've quoted the wrong verse there, but you can go and look at it Um, in Ephesians. It was hidden uh, for the generations before. So, I think that's why Paul's using mystery. He's trying to tell them uh, there's nothing mysterious here, nothing you need to be initiated into. The only mystery is is this gospel message. And you've already heard that. And the only mysterious thing about it was that um, it's been made known in Christ and the generations before that didn't know that. What is this gospel message that Paul's bringing to them? He calls it at one point the Word of God in all its fullness, the Word of God in all its fullness. So gospel ministry is about the word of God in all its fullness, everything in the Bible. That's why we go uh, from time to time. We work through different portions of the Bible. That's why we go to the Old Testament. That's why we go to the New Testament. That's why we go to Psalms and poetry and we go to history and we go around all the corners of the Bible because that's what Paul does. Because all of the Bible has something to tell us uh, about Jesus And so we work through all these portions of the Bible applying them to Christ. So Leslie has an Advent devotional, um, which is based on the book of Ruth. Because the book of Ruth speaks about God and it speaks about Jesus Christ. But it's just unusual, isn't it? Um, But that's what we're doing. So uh, the word of God in all its fullness, according to that. um, The gospel is Christ in you. Christ in you. And this is, this is the hope we're holding out of people um, over Christmas as we come up to Christmas. The gospel message is, is the word of God in all its f- fullness. But what it brings to people is Christ in you. That's what we want for people. That's what we're holding out to people. It's not just a, a message. It's a message that does something. The message that is good news. It is that message that if there's any initiation involved, it's just, it brings people into a relationship. It brings people into a relationship with Almighty God through Christ and what he's done on the cross in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Christ comes to live in you by his spirit. That's is the gospel message, isn't it? You know this. I trust you do. Is Christ in you? Do you know Christ in you and with you? I trust you do. And it is, of course, that, the hope of glory. And the glory that we're looking forward to is that Jesus will return to earth. There will be judgment, and then God will return. Jesus will return with all those who have died in Christ before us, and there will be a new creation here on earth. The earth will be renewed. We have this concrete hope of glory. We've talked about that before. So that's the content of the gospel. But what's the plan? I think this is the important bit. Paul says there are three things he wants to do with this message. Uh, And the first one is is there in verse 24. He says, I want to present to you the word of God in all its fullness." So we've talked about what that is. And Paul says now he wants to present the word of God to them. So the first thing he wants to do is just get it out there. Just wants to get this, uh, get this teaching, just wants to get it in front of people. All, God, all ministry is, is simply applying the Bible prayerfully in love um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. All gospel ministry is simply it's getting the Bible out there and then applying it to them. So part one of Paul's ministry is simply, I want, to get, I want to get this message in front of as many people as I can. And you can be part of that, can't you? Particularly over Christmas. You can you can invite people, um, and you can pray. We'll come b- come back to that in a minute. In a minute. But the first thing of Paul's ministry, gospel ministries, is to get the word in in front of people. Sometimes I have conversations, you know, with people, or people have pastoral problems, and you just think they're just not getting this, and nothing's changing. And then suddenly, I or somebody else, I've said this before to you, will bring them a verse of scripture, um, and they go, oh. Yeah, that's really obvious now. There's something about getting the word of God in front of people which is a powerful thing. But the second thing Paul says he's going to do, he's he's going to admonish and teach. Verse 28. So Jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It's a really important verse. Let me read it again. Jesus is the one we've proclaimed admonishing and to teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Paul is not bothered simply to present the word of God and put it in front of people. Paul says he's going to correct people when they've got it wrong. So this admonishing is not just bringing the word in front of people, it's, it's applying it. It's helping people see where they've got it, helping people see where they haven't got it. And so when Paul says to Timothy, who's one of his deputies, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what the, the word of God is useful for. So Paul says he's going to correct people when they've, they've got it wrong. And it's an interesting that this, this should come up this, uh, this week because we were talking about this as elders in the week. We were talking about this, the subject of um, church discipline. In other words, what does the church do when people are not walking in Christ? And quite often, I think, in, in, in the West, in this country, the church, church does absolutely nothing when people are not walking in Christ, and we don't feel that's a faithful thing to do anymore. So we're looking into it and, uh, and trying to work out what we're going to do about it. So it's interesting, elders, that this, this passage comes up today because Paul says he's going to admonish people who, who just aren't, aren't walking right. It's, it, it, it's, not, um, it's not a telling off. This is the loving thing to do. It's always the loving thing to do. As long as it's done in love, to tell people when they've gone wrong in their lives in Christ. And the danger is this churches that, that don't admonish make maturity optional. And that's a real danger for us, I think, as a church, as a Western church, as a UK church, that we make maturity optional because we're not prepared to go and tell people when we think they've got it wrong. And and Paul says that is not adequate gospel ministry, to leave people in immaturity. He says we are going to admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, note, fully mature uh, in Christ. And I want to tell you that as elders, we're going to try and take that seriously. And we'll bring that back to you and talk to church meeting. Um, A church that backs away from correcting people creates a culture in which maturity is optional. And Paul says that's not enough. And the third thing he says is that he's going to encourage them. Um, So that they can be uh, united in love. So 2 verse 2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul says he he wants to encourage the church. He wants to bring them encouragement. He's not going to do this, uh, this ministry in, in a discouraging um, kind of way. He's going to do it in an encouraging kind of way. And, and part of that uh, encouraging and admonishing is he wants them to be united in love. He wants them all to be in one mind. It is really hard, isn't it? Let's be really honest about it. That um, Let's say people don't turn up for six months. They drag people down. They discourage us. So part of this... So Paul wants to encourage. He wants to give people encourage, give people courage. And he wants them to be united in love. And interestingly, why does he want them to be united in love? So that they may have the full reaches of complete understanding. So it's interesting again, isn't it, here again... How to understand Christ? You know, we we said a couple of weeks ago, if you're not walking it out, you're not having understanding with Christ. You won't understand Jesus. You won't know him that well. Again, if we're not united in love, uh, if that's not a feature of the church, if that's not an aspect of our walking it out, then we won't understand Christ. We won't have as deep an understanding of Jesus as we'd like to have. So this is Paul's plan present the word of God, get it out there, um, apply it into people's lives, admonish and teach, and then encourage them, and particularly in the area of unity. That's the ministry. But notice all these words that that imply totality. He says, I'm going to give them all the word of God. And he says, I'm going to admonish admonish all of them Uh, and he keeps saying with all wisdom and he keeps saying that everyone is, is fully mature and that all will be united and they'll have full riches of complete understanding that they may know the mystery which is which is jesus christ why well because i think the false teachers are telling the colossians that they're lacking that they're not full that they need their teaching, they need their teaching filling up, and maybe they need to be filled up with, with some with, with some mystical um, experiences. And do you know what's not here? And you can think this one through for yourself and tell me afterwards. Paul doesn't say anywhere here, he doesn't say be filled with the Spirit, does he? I mean I know he does in Ephesians. But he wants them to be full. wants them to be full, fully mature. And how's he going to do that? He's going to present the word of God in all its fullness. He's going to admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom. And he's going to encourage them all. This is how they're going to be filled up. If they actually just put the stuff into practice and walk it out. What's your part? uh, What's your part in this then? Okay, you may say, "Well, that's that's very fine." Um, Paul was an apostle, um, and so he was a particular kind of of teacher in the in the church. Uh, I'm not a teacher in the church, um, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm afraid uh, that won't do, because we we all have a role to play, and we'll come come. I'll explain that in a minute, but. What I want you to ask is how can you, as part of the body of Christ, then be a good participant in this ministry, and how can you be a good recipient of this ministry? So the teachers in the church are obvious, aren't they, people preaching or teaching, but home group leaders, children's leaders, actually you can all be teachers um, by speaking uh, to other people, speaking scripture, just bringing it, presenting scripture, correcting people with scripture encouraging people with scripture you can all do that but particularly in this season as we're kind of going into Christmas um, Paul says devote yourselves to prayer be watchful and thankful and as he's going along he says please pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ and pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should even if you're not a teacher you can pray Pray for the teaching and presenting ministry of the church, and particularly in this season where we want to, we want to get the gospel in front of uh, people who haven't heard it before, who haven't responded to it yet. Please pray. And when it comes to receiving the gospel, all kinds of aspects to that. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Sorry, this is really in part the front part. Uh, presenting the gospel make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone that's you isn't it even if you're not a teacher you're you're somebody who has conversations and paul says let your conversation be seasoned with salt and in other words bring scripture into it bring the gospel too into it whether that's with christians whether that's with non-christians In terms of receiving the gospel, Paul says, just as you receive Christ as Lord, so continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. In fact, actually, in terms of receiving uh, the gospel ministry, you could just read the rest of the letter and that will give you a really good idea uh, how to be a good recipient of gospel ministry. I haven't got time really to do that this morning, but just I'd love it if you'd read the rest of the letter and think, how can I be a good recipient of gospel ministry But in terms of this admonishing ministry, uh, it's really important, I think, that we read um, from Colossians 3, um, verse 16. And Paul says this to this church, says it to the church. He would say the same to us. Let the message, uh, let the gospel of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with with gratitude in, in your hearts. Sometimes as we sing, sometimes the songs that we sing, they're directed, uh, they're actually directed at, at each other and we encourage one another. But we're called for the, for the word of Christ to dwell amongst us richly, effectively, fruitfully. And that is for us to teach and admonish one another. And one of the things I read from a guy called Wayne Grudem in the week said if people were doing that, there'd be no need for church discipline. Everybody would, and I think quite a lot of that goes on in the church. Please don't take that as license that you're now going to go round and you're going to take off. You're going to kind of like just kind of you know tell off everybody who's really been annoying you over the last um, over the last year. Is it really truth in love? That's the key thing. Again, if we cross-reference to Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, um, the body is built up. Any admonishing you feel you want to do has to be done out of love. A guy called Richard Baxter, who's a famous Puritan pastor, said, um, show people you love them and you can tell them anything. Show people you love them, you can tell them anything. You have to show people that you love them and then you can teach and, and correct and we need to be ready to receive correction. That's the harder part, isn't it? And if you don't want to be somebody who receives correction, then you just have to monitor your own life. And um... How can you be part of this? Being encouraged and being united? Well, there's lots. There's lots. You could read through the rest of the letter. But as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves uh, with compassion, with kindness with humility with gentleness with patience bear with each other and forgive uh, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity that explains itself doesn't it forgive as the lord forgave you be kind be compassionate be humble be gentle. And finally, oops, the pain of gospel ministry. So we now know the, the content of, of the gospel. We now know what to do with it. What's getting in the way of us just pressing forward? Well, sometimes what's getting in the way is just that it's hard work and that it's painful. So Paul says he is suffering and strenuously contending for this church said verse 24 i rejoice in what i am suffering um, for you and then uh, chapter 2 verse 1 i want you to know how hard i'm contending for you what's paul doing for them he's getting down on his knees in prayer and sometimes it's just hard work do you not find that to intercede, you know, to kind of work through a, a prayer list for people and I hope you have one it's just hard work but what a great gift you can contend for the faith and for the maturity of your brothers and sisters in Christ by praying for them he's, he's writing to them, he's using his, his teaching gift even though he's, he's a long way away you could be doing that he's pioneering for them I think he's kind of, when he says he's doing this for you, I think there's a sense in which there's a, there's a solidarity between um, the Colossians and what Paul is doing uh, in prison now. He's kind of, in a sense, he is doing this for them. He is, he is pioneering uh, the gospel and pressing it into new situations, and he's in prison for the gospel. He really is suffering, and there's a sense of solidarity that this is for them. And it's a bit like the way Rio writes in his prayer letters. Um, he, he says what I do is a ministry of Staines Kong um, because we support them financially. What they do and the number of Muslim background believers who, who uh, Muslim, yeah, people who come to Christ from a Muslim background uh, is, is an amazing ministry and it's a ministry of, of Staines Kong. And I think it's important that Paul sees himself as a, as a servant. He sees himself as their Servant, why does he say that? I've become its servant. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant. It's a really important mindset for anybody who's doing anything um, around the church, that you're able to see yourself as a servant of the church and a servant of Christ. Because of this, servants, servants don't expect affirmation. And it's a really difficult thing, I think, when you're in any position, you've been raised up to any position in the church, in the kingdom of God, you start to think that you don't have to suffer start to think that you're above that, were well, you never above that because Christ who is the head of the church, said that he came to, not to be served, but to serve you never are never above that um, in the church. and it's always a danger you raise somebody up give them a responsibility, think they're important, and maybe start to, in their own mind, even if they don't say it out loud, um, to expect affirmation. Just remember, and this comes from all of us, and, um, whatever we're doing in the church, we are a servant of the church. Paul says, Paul in some cases uses the word slave, rather than servant, I'm the slave of the church. So it's important you get Your attitude right, because otherwise your attitude to hard work and to suffering will be wrong. But then Paul uses this really strange expression um, in in verse 24. He says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which, which is the church. And it sounds like there's something lacking in what Jesus has done. It sounds like, oh, oh Jesus left a bit, left a bit unfinished, um, and I'm picking it up. Of course that's not true. Because on the cross, Jesus says, he says, it is finished. His atoning work, his sacrifice, his standing in your place, his suffering um, for you is done. And Paul, we would only have to read back a few verses to realize that 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 can't be true. Paul says, he has reconciled you. God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. It's done. Christ's atoning work is done. And the key, I think, is this little phrase, fill up what is lacking, or kind of complete what is lacking. So these teachers, they've come to Colossae and they say, We've come to fill up what's lacking. Come to, we've come to complete you. You know, this Apostle Paul, he, he, he gave you the basics. He gave you the boring gospel stuff. We're coming to give you the, the exciting secret knowledge, and we've come to fill you up. Come to bring you to uh, another level. And Paul says this Fill up what is lacking. He says, there's only one thing, there's only one area where I'm lacking. There's only one thing I need to fill up. And that is to complete my calling, which is to suffer for Jesus Christ. When he was called, you see, poor old Ananias was told to go to Paul, wasn't he? After Paul was converted. And the Lord said through Ananias, I will show him how much he must suffer uh, for my name. There's only one thing Paul says that I need to fill up in, and that is that there's still more suffering for me to do for Christ. So what about your part in what about your part in pain? Um, we're all called to gospel ministry. So Jesus said, didn't he, um, <clears throat> Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a group calling. It's a group calling to go and make disciples, and we all have different uh, gifts, different responsibilities in, in going and making disciples. You don't need some kind of spiritual initiation, some mystery experience to be involved in this ministry of making disciples. You need to take the attitude of a servant and be ready to suffer for and with Jesus. And as I look through, this is a word study you could do for yourself. I think... um, in the past, if you wanted to do a word study, you needed to own a really big book called A Concordance. Um, and uh, so, if you want to look up the word suffering in the Bible, you need to, to, to own a concordance. Now, anybody can do it online. You can go to Bible Gateway, um, you can do your own, uh, your own um, pristine research in, in, in the Bible. Look up the word um, suffering. And here is the truth. There is a comradeship with Christ which you can't know any other way. Does that make sense? There's a fellowship, there's a a comradeship with Christ. Paul talks in Philippians about uh, fellowshipping uh, with Christ in his suffering. There is a kind of friendship In and with Christ, which you won't know, which you don't know, unless you have suffered for him uh, in some way. If you want to know him more, this is the hard thing. Uh, Maybe you pray this, maybe you say, oh Lord Jesus, I want to know you more. And Jesus says, really? You know, you sure? What would that look like? I'll well, just pray for these ministry opportunities, even if you're not in a preaching, teaching ministry. But primarily, um, don't balk at the opportunities which God gives you. I think quite often we we, we pray for opportunities to kind of uh, speak the gospel to people, and then they come, um, and then we and then we back out. Um, so our battle to to kind of suffer with and for Christ. Is just in these tiny little moments um, which come and then they're gone, and you think, oh no. So, there's this lovely story I can tell you about. Um, I heard this week about one of the gentlemen in the church. Um, I have permission to tell this. Um, who, who went for an eye test and kind of like, you know, put the chin on, on the thing. Um, and and the, the person doing the test, the lady doing the test, kept telling, telling him, look at the cross. Okay, there was this little thing in front. I think I get the impression, perhaps struggling to keep uh, his head in the right place and kept going, Look at the cross. Um, Look at the cross. And I wonder what you would have done in that situation. (laughs) And he he got round and, and, and said to her, Are you looking at the cross? And started a conversation. I wonder whether you would have done the same. Have to kind of steel yourself, I think, and be ready. If you want to know Jesus better in this way, you have to steel yourself and say, "Okay, I'm going to. Next time that happens, I'm going to say something like that. I'm not going to balk at these opportunities because I'm I'm afraid I'm going to be looked down on in that moment. Well, if you if you went through with it and you were looked down on in that moment then you would know something more about Jesus. Maybe you'd understand more in a small way what it meant for him to, to be nailed naked to a cross and have people look down on him and sneer. So this is our gospel. All the word of God, but it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is, this is the gospel we're holding out for people. It's particularly in these next few weeks. Going to pause Colossians for a while, for quite a while actually. Um, this is our gospel plan um, to present it, to admonish, to encourage in unity. And this is our gospel pain. So get ready for those Christmas opportunities. Let's get the gospel in front of people, even if it costs. I'm going to pray, and then I'll invite Kevin back up. Oh Lord Jesus, we, we do see what you've done for us, light of the world, stepping down into darkness, being obedient even to, to, to death on a cross and, and we want to know you more and we want to be like you more and yet even by saying that today we recognise that calls us into places where people will look down on us. And then suddenly our resolve shakes and our knees knock. So we ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us this Christmas. Get your gospel in front of people. Please give us courage. Please give us opportunities. We want to know you more. Amen.